I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, I always like to call him our gatekeeper of everything gambling at ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. David, good evening. How you doing? Anita, I could give you 1,000 guesses. You wouldn't guess what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I'm frightened. What are you doing? <laughs> My six-year-old daughter is having a sleepover with five <gasps> other six-year-olds for a little glamp out. And my wife has given them manis and teddies and spa treatments and masks. And they're in their second movie. And it's currently 11 o'clock at night. And there's no end in sight to when they're going to sleep. So. <laughs> So wait, let me I get this straight. I'm trying to hide in the basement, right? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. You're six year old. They're all six years old. Just turned six. Okay, so six years uh, old. Six, yes. They're getting manis, petties, facials. And they're sleeping in air mattresses in tents upstairs in the playroom. Okay, that's like, like, but we just, can I just, like, the last thing I, the last thing I wanted when I was six years old was like a mani-pedi and a facial. Like. You also were a quarterback for a flag football team. My daughter's not going to be doing that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I was, I was a big tomboy. So yeah, the last thing, the last thing I wanted was a mani-pedi and a facial at six. Wow. That's so, David, that's so bougie. Hey, when, when you're at a silent auction and you have a couple <laughs> of drinks and you put some bids down, next thing you know, you bought a slumber party. <laughs> I love it. I God, God bless you both. God bless auction. you both. I'm sure, I'm sure your, your daughter is going to have, uh, she's, she's like, she's the most wanted friend in elementary school. There's no denying that. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, we've got the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am happening on the left coast. Uh, n- pretty much none of the players I thought were going to be at the top of the leaderboard at this point in time are up there. So, um, but who do we have? Uh, we have Keith Mitchell. Actually, let me go to the top. Okay. So we have, uh, uh, Kitayama, who's at the top of the leaderboard, along with uh, Keith Mitchell, Bramlett. Uh, okay, Power, uh, he's tied for sixth. I had him that's up there. That, that's a guy that I had in some of my DFS. Hovland, a lot of people liked Hovland coming in. Justin Rose, I am a little surprised there. Higo as well. Um, looking at the top of this leaderboard, did, did you have a number, any of these guys up here that you thought would, would be where they're at? At this stage of the game? Yes, I, I actually took uh, Power, Seamus Power, as my number one play this week. I took him in DFS. I also took him at 25 to 1 with, uh, with a bonus by one of the sports books in Connecticut. Um, and then yesterday, after Keith Mitchell finished his minus five round on the hardest course, Spyglass, knowing that he had the best round in Spyglass. And he was going to play the two easier courses, including Pebble twice. I went ahead and put some coin on him yesterday at eight to one, 
last night. So I have both of them live, you know, right there at the top. Um, and you look at, at Kitayama, he hasn't played the hard course yet. He has Spyglass tomorrow. So it'll take a lot for him to keep that lead. So I'm pretty happy that I had Mitchell and Power up there. Um, I took a little bit on speed because he was the favorite, and he plays this course very well, but he's a little bit too far back. But he gets Pebble the next two days, so we'll see what he does. But, yeah, everybody else I took is further down the board. Um, the big one is Power. Having him at 25-1 to 1 will, will, will pay nice. And he, he plays this course very, very well. If you remember last year, he had the 36-hole lead before going to Spyglass and it all fell apart. He's already played Spyglass. He paid it yesterday. And today he went out on Monterey and, uh, and shot seven under. So I like what I saw out of him. And he has two more rounds of Pebble left to play. Yeah, so uh, so folks who are just tuning in, we're talking about Pebble Beach, and it's 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 an interesting, it's an it's difficult to handicap these tournaments, right, David? Because um, you know you've you've got guys that are playing on three different courses, and depending on the weather conditions, like if it's really windy, Spyglass then is the course that you want to play on a really windy day because they have the most tree lined fairways which protect you from the wind, but yet at the same time, if there's no wind, Spyglass is the most difficult of the three. So, yeah, this is a, this is a very, very, this is one of the hardest, I'm not talking about Pebble itself, but this tournament is one of the hardest hand, to handicap for multiple reasons. You yeah. just hit on one of them, three different courses. Mm-hmm. You and I are very, very, very much stat-based, horse-for-course type guys. And we don't have the stats. Like, I can't sit here right now and tell you who's playing the best other than the score because we have no shot links data, no shot gain data from Spyglass or Monterey. All we know is Spyglass plays hard, Monterey plays easy. If you don't do well on the Monterey course, you're not going to contend. If you, don't, if, if, if you survive Spyglass, which is what Keith Mitchell did, then you're going to contend and he's one shot back. So the stats that we use are not available, and you mentioned the weather. Um, and the other factor that kind of gets left out at times this is a 54-hole pro-am, too, before the final round. You're playing with amateurs who are going out there and hacking it up on these hard courses because they pay a lot of money to do so, and these rounds take six hours. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when you had the other pro-am uh, down in California, but this is even a more popular one for, for the, the Bill Murrays of the world. And, you know, our boy Chris Berman used to play in it. And it takes a long time to play these rounds, and not everybody is cut out for the six-hour round if your name's not Kevin Na. So it's, you know, it's difficult to handicap, and you have a couple of live ones. And, again, I played the stats, and I said, hey, if Keith Mitchell's going to play five under on Spyglass, he's going to be in contention, and here we are. Um, and I was happy to see that power – survived Spyglass at one under and then went bananas today at seven under, which is why he sits at eight. So those kind of things you can play with and look, but there's no real perfect science to this. And this is why this is one of the more harder courses to handicap. Yeah. I was, I was talking to uh, this gentleman, Jimmy Hamlin, who hosts a, a golf show in Cleveland and he was on with me on my LA bet show on Wednesday and he was, and he 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 had placed a lot of money on Hovland just because he feels like Hovland's. It's very interesting, and this is a way to handicap it, right? Like Hovland's personality is very like footloose and fancy free, and the fact that you're playing with all these amateurs and you're out there for six six and a half hours on this golf course, you know, you you can't be a John Rom, right? <laughs> like where like every little thing right. irritates, right? Like every little thing irritates you. So, um, so I thought that was a really, really good form of handicapping and sure enough, Hovland sitting there at six under. So, uh, data golf, 
Uh, Keith Mitchell, a 12.2% chance of winning. Power, a 9.5. Kitayama is 8.6. Stallings is 8.5. Bramlett is 7.8. Hovland is 7.5. With that being said, so are you going to, like, if you were to, if you were to go back to the window tonight or tomorrow morning before they tee off again, are you doubling down on Mitchell? Are you doubling down on power? Are you throwing some money on Hovland? Yeah, if, I were to, like, if, if I were to go to the window right now, I, I would double down on the two guys I already have simply by because of what courses they've played already and what they have left. Both power and Mitchell have already played the hard course and survived it. Mitchell's playing outstanding. Um, and I've been told, I was talking to a couple of guys earlier in the week when I was looking at making some bets, and I, I wish I had listened to the point where I actually had played Mitchell pre-tournament instead of waiting until after he went five under, is he enjoys playing with the amateurs. And he's one of the few guys who, when you go to any other regular event and they have the Wednesday Pro-Am, he's the first guy to sign up. He likes playing with the fans. He enjoys it. He's not John Wrong. <laughs> he actually enjoys his atmosphere. So he goes out there and, and has fun with them. Um, and he's someone who seems to thrive under his environment. Again, I wish I had taken him on Wednesday instead of waiting. Uh, but I, I, he's doing well. I'm shooting 500 at Spyglass. I played that course. That's no joke. <laughs> go 500 on that course. Um, and, and I would double down on him because keep in mind what I said at the top of this segment is Kitayama hasn't played Spyglass yet. So I would not expect Kitayama to be in the lead after tomorrow because he plays the tough course. That's a course where if you shoot one under, you win. Like, that's, that's what you want to do. Five under is spectacular for Mitchell, but the average score on that course is in the 72-and-a-half range. So if Kitayama can survive it, I still expect Mitchell to be in the lead or be near the lead because he's playing Pebble tomorrow, and Pebble's been playing about two-and-a-half shots easier than, than Spyglass. And then, of course, you get to Sunday, and it's all, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Everybody's playing Pebble again. And to me, Anita, like, when I look at the setup, and I know nobody has control over, over the tee times and, you know, who, who gets paired up when – but for guys like Jordan Spieth, Keith Mitchell, Power, they're all playing Pebble tomorrow, and then they get to play Pebble again on Sunday because everybody plays them on Sunday if you make the cut. I like that. I think that works to your advantage where you get the hard course out of the way, you get the easy course out of the way, and then you play the same course two consecutive days. I do like that, and I think that works to their advantage. That's the way I'd want to play it, survive the hard one, play it on the easy one, and play Pebble back-to-back because what you learn tomorrow can help you on Sunday as opposed to playing it on Thursday and having to wait 72 hours to play it again. Absolutely. And in Hovland right now, the favorite to win at eight to one Mitchell eight plus eight fifty, power nine to one, uh, Justin Rose that are, is, is it 11 to one? Just FYI, uh, Jordan Spieth, 22 to one. So those are some of the odds out there really quick before I let you go. I know we've got a lot happening with our our columns and on our espn.com site uh, what are some of the articles quote unquote columns sorry i know i'm old school when i say articles what are some of the columns that are going to hit this week getting every everyone ready for the super bowl david absolutely we have a lot out there uh this morning we, we did our first prop column on quarterbacks and running back props Tomorrow morning, wide receiver and tight end props, which will feature yours truly, Anita Marks, in the column, uh, wide Woo! receivers and tight ends. Come Sunday, you, uh, you'll you be able to see the first ESPN.com Super Bowl squares printout. Uh, we're not reinventing the wheel here. It literally is something you can print and bring to your Super Bowl party and throw the squares out there to have fun with. And then starting on Monday, we get really into it. 
with David Purdom has a feature coming out on props. And then Tuesday is our all-encompassing sports betting guide. So, Anita, all the props, all the bets you like, have that in there by Monday so we can have it for Tuesday. Uh, Chris Berman, the Swami, says he'll have his pick. And then our fantasy guys will weigh in. Uh, last year we had Matthew Berry's Love Hayes. He obviously is not with ESPN anymore, but the rest of the fantasy crew is going to dial in on what they like. Um, and then Liz Loza, she'll have her five props that pop for Super Bowl 57. Um, and then we get to uh, we get to Sunday with Doug Kazarian's last-minute thoughts on, on the Super Bowl. So there'll be something every single day next week leading up to Super Bowl Sunday where the Kansas City Chiefs will eke out a win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, oh I see what side you're rolling with. Maybe a, maybe a little case, not a bottle, maybe a little case of wine between you and I, my friend. I've watched enough Daily Wager this week to know what side you were on, which is why I threw that one out there for you. <laughs> did, you notice, did you notice my green fingernail polish today? Nobody said anything. I was surprised. I did. I did. I saw it. I, um, I was watching today and yesterday. It's the timing worked out the last couple of days where I was able to watch it live. Usually I have to play it back sometime late at night. Uh, but I was able to watch it live today. I was able to watch it as I was hiding from the six-year-olds running around the house. So Yeah, with, with masks and Manny petties and, cu- and cucumbers, you, huh? cucumbers on their eyes. Yeah, I saw it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. David, that, thank you so much. Was, Always that, great. That was your po- <laughs> What'd you say? It was your girl Poppy with her. Uh, I know. She's adorable. With the cucumbers on her eyeballs. She's adorable. I told her just a few minutes ago, since she was still awake, that I was going on with Anina. Yeah, that's so. what she calls me. Anina. <laughs> Anina. <laughs> Anina, my Anina. Anyway, David, thank you so much. Always great having you on, my friend. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Could you imagine how great that is? I, like, I, like I would beg for a sleep sleepover party with from with my friends. And like, first of all, it was like it was if like you know it was like the end all be all for my parents to have to have like friends over let alone my mom to like organize mani petties and facials for my six-year-old friends. <laughs> what? I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to process that. I think we need to take a break. We'll come, <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, I'm going to take you to both Kansas city and Philadelphia, getting you ready with Tim McManus and Adam Teicher, uh, bringing up, bringing us up to speed on what's going on with the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs next here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. 
your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. You know, they, they exited their first round of interviews with three guys still in play. Uh, Danico Ryan, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and, and Sean Payton. And that's, that's what I kept hearing from everyone I, I speak to on this. And their issue was those guys were quality candidates for other people too. And, and you know, the, the secret of a coaching search is the bigger swing you take, the, the more options those guys really have. So the Broncos were trying to keep or, or decide how each of these three guys, uh, how in play were they at that moment? And, you know, they went to see Harbaugh in person uh, a week ago in Ann Arbor. Uh, he had had a Zoom interview in the first round, and they wanted to get in front of him to see, are you really interested or are you staying at Michigan? And while simultaneously trying to stay and keep options open with D'Amico Ryans and, and Peyton both, and uh, initially on the Peyton front, the, the Saints weren't coming down very much on the on the trade, and that I think it's been a bigger part of this than, than people want to say that you know, for a while, the Saints were talking privately to people that they, they wanted the John Gruden deal, which was, you know, two ones, two twos. And, and the Broncos weren't going to do that no matter how much they liked Sean Payton. So I think a combination of Harbaugh saying, I'm, I'm going to stay here or that, that, you know, your spot's not the best one for me. And D'Amico Ryan's reps told them they, they love D'Amico Ryan's. Peyton together at one point were probably the, the top two. And Ryan's told, or Ryan's reps told the Broncos, I'm taking the second interview in Houston uh, before you. So they, you know, his wife is from Houston. Uh, he played there. Uh, Broncos thinking was he's, we're likely not going to get a second shot at, at D'Amico. So they, they, sort of went back to the Saints and said, all right, is, what's your, what are your best and final offers here on the trade? And when that started to get momentum, then Peyton became a reality. And ultimately, a lot of deals were on the table, including uh, one that included next year's first rounder and this year's second rounder. But eventually they got to the deal the Broncos wanted, and that's why he's the coach. Well, I think it is the right decision, especially – you know, what, what Denver gave up to go and, and get Russell Wilson and obviously Nathaniel Hackett, that that relationship didn't work. And I do want to get into that in just a second because, you know, he did come to the Jets. Let's shelf that for a second. But I, I believe this is the right fit, you know, and talking to a number of coaches who've been a part of Sean Payton's coaching staff, um, many of them, uh, including Mike Westhoff, who's a very dear friend of mine, has said that there is no better teacher in the game than Sean Payton. And so... I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with Russell Wilson and what this Denver offense is going to look like. Has has Russell Wilson commented on the hire of Sean Payton? 
Uh, not so much publicly. I'm, you know, knowing Russell, I'm certain he has FaceTimed Sean Payton probably 12 times already. <laughs> uh, but uh, Russell did say, uh, you know, we, we talked to him at, after the season finale, and he went on and on about Sean Payton, called him a, you know, a wizard, uh, you know, one of the best ever. You know, he, he was enormously complimentary of Sean Payton, and that's before the team had interviewed anyone. So I, I don't think, you know, and, and a lot of folks, are, you know, football, from an X's and O's perspective, you know, you, you're going to look at it, and you're going to say, well, you know, the offense, he didn't, he ran with Drew Brees. It's not really something that would fit Russell Wilson. And uh, I just know so many people in coaching that would point to, you know, what, Peyton did with Jameis Winston at quarterback, what he did with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, what he did with Taysom Hill in, mm-hmm. in the games he had to start at quarterback to, to show his variety. And I know many people in coaching that say Sean Peyton has this enormous library of video from offenses he likes. And one of the biggest, I've been told this, I, I'm, I want to ask Sean himself when I, when I get in front of him here in the next few days, but, uh, I have been told he has a, a huge part of this video library is, is Mike Shanahan's Broncos offense, uh, which would be a very good fit for Russell Wilson and is something, you know, Kyle Shanahan runs and, you know, Matt LaFleur runs a version of it. And, you know, Kev- Kevin O'Connell runs a version of it. All the guys who worked with Mike or Kyle run a version of it and, uh, so I, I'm interested to know, but I, I say that because it's people in coaching say that Sean Payton has studied uh, offenses a great deal that would fit Russell Wilson. So I, I don't think there's going to be any schematic issues there. It's just going to be, you know, the nuts and bolts, getting him to work on decision-making and and timing and, and frankly, fitting personnel uh, to who's available better than they did, you know, this past season. Again, Jeff Legwald joining us here on ESPN does a phenomenal job covering the Denver Broncos with the big news of the hire of Sean Payton giving up uh, next year's first round, 2024 second round. And so with that being said, I'm, I'm looking at the odds 30 to one for the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl next year. Now we, we saw this offense play a lot better the last two weeks of the season. How, how good, it, let's just say hypothetically speaking, Jeff, Sean gets this offense working better and, and we go back to what we know and, and the vintage Russell Wilson, you know, defense offense in that division, very competitive as we know what, 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 what Denver Broncos team, what are we looking at next year? What are your expectations? You know, they should be better. And, you know, they need a little luck. They know next year because of the Wilson trade and now the trade for Sean Payton, they know they're going to have to grit their teeth a little bit this year in April. Free agency, they're middle of the pack in cap room. You know, they don't pick until the third round of the draft now. They know they're going to have to grit their teeth this year. And so they'll need some luck. You know, they finished this past season with 22 guys on IR in the last, you know, when the season, in the last game of the season, they had 22 players on injured reserve. So, they need better luck than that because their their depth will be an issue. But if their frontline players play a majority of the games, uh, they can win. 
Uh, they do have some youth, good young players, but they need luck this time because depth will take a hit this year. They, they know that. You know, 2024 may be the first real year of flourishing because they'll, they'll be back uh, sort of full strength behind the scenes. You know, this year they're going to have to get creative and, and create some cap room by giving guys some checks to create, you know, base salary and the signing bonus. Of, of guys that are going to be around here so they don't get in cap trouble. But they have to spend a little money and grit their teeth this year and hope for some good luck. And if, and if they have better injury luck this year than they did, uh, you know, in this past season, they, they can win some games. Now, you know, why a lot of people in the league think D'Amico Ryans took the Texans job beyond the family considerations and that he played there is that, frankly, the division's a lot easier Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old, and that's that's a tough prospect to wrestle with if you're in the AFC West. Let's turn our attention to Nathaniel Hackett. He leaves Denver. He gets hired by the Jets. I'll use the word shocked. I was shocked. I just, I don't know too many careers in life where you fail miserably at one job, and then you get hired by another that only has 32 positions of that profession open. Um, I don't quite understand it. Many feel that the hire was to try to lure uh, Aaron Rodgers, who hasn't decided whether or not he's going to play this coming NFL season, um, to New York. Uh, your, your thoughts on the hire with Nathaniel Hackett coming to the Jets, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I, I initially after, you know, uh, you know, he has a lot of friends on the Broncos staff, some of his closest friends, and after he was fired, you know, a lot of them were upset here and they thought he may take a little time, but uh, he took a family vacation and apparently came back ready to, uh, to get back into the league as quickly as he could. You know, they, they were last in points in the league here and last on third down. And I think they had 12 games this season. They scored 16 or fewer with, and Russell Wilson threw a career low touchdown passes. So, uh, he must have somehow dealt with all that by saying, you know, he, he didn't get the personnel he wanted or things weren't done the way he wanted. I, I don't know. I just know that uh, I, I will say when I, when I reviewed all the game video from the year again and, and went through my charting, th- there were guys open a lot. Schematically, there are receivers open, but uh, personnel – the, the guys available that week didn't fit the game plan enough of the time. They, he, he really tried to force the issue as to how they wanted to play, particularly when they, uh, they stayed in three wide when they didn't have receivers or the linemen to do it because of injuries and they wouldn't waver from it, you know, and they ended up leading the league in sacks allowed and Wilson's play deteriorated the more he got hit and, uh, you know, he started to hold the ball. All the things I believe or much of what went wrong was because he would not adjust enough. Uh, and I think he was determined in his first time as a head coach to, to show what he could do. And, and that'll be his challenge. He's got to fit the personnel into what he's doing better than he did here this past season. And, and he's done it in, in previous stops, but that'll be his challenge because that's what happened here. And if he, you know, my personal opinion is if he goes into all that trying to prove a point, uh, he'll get in the same trap he got into here because the last two games of the year, they fit 
who the, who they had available with what they were doing much better, and they had two of their four highest scoring games of the season after Nathaniel was hired, was fired here. Yeah. All right. Again, I want to thank Jeff Levowog for joining us. Uh, always great to have him on the program. And again, uh, those odds right now for Denver to win the Super Bowl next year, 30 to 1. I think those are some hefty expectations. But I will tell you this. I am waiting to see what the over under is in regard to the win total that's going to come out for Denver. And more than likely, if it's somewhere around six and a half, seven and a half. I'll take the over. This is why. I think Sean Payton will be night and day in regard to the coaching situation for Russell Wilson. I think Nathaniel Hackett was just god-awful. There are two types of coaches in the NFL. There's ones that come in and they're like, this is my system and I'm going to plug you in here and I'm going to plug you in there. And then there's others that come in and they look at the landscape. They look what's around and then they say, okay, well, I'm going to orchestrate. I'm going to design an offense that's going to best accentuate the, the talent that I have working here. And I think that's what Sean Payton's going to do. So again, am I laying the 30 to one for Denver to win the Super Bowl? No, I am not. But I am very anxious to see what the over under win total is going to be. And like I said, if it's somewhere around six and a half, seven and a half, uh, chances are I'm going to take the over because I do believe in Sean Payton. And I do believe the struggles that we saw with Russell Wilson this past season were more with the coaching than it was Russell Wilson. All right, quick break. We come back. The Puck Daddy is going to join us from Florida. We've got the NHL. They're celebrating their All-Star Weekend down in Florida. Greg Wyshynski, the Puck Daddy, is down there. He'll be joining us next here on Weekend Wager on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's treating me right. I, I had the perfect experience as a New Yorker leaving for Florida, which is I left uh, Brooklyn this morning and it was covered in snow. And then I got on a plane for Fort Lauderdale, like like a true snowbird, I guess, uh, from New York. So it's uh, it's only appropriate that I hit Florida right after, right after the first uh, discernible snowfall in New York City this year. It's unbelievable, right? You jump on a flight two and a half hours, two and a half hours later, you're like, you're in unbelievable weather. Before we start talking about some of the futures bets, share with us, you know, what's, what's All-Star Weekend going to be like? 
what are the festivities? What can people wager on? Well, you know, it's fun. I, I look back at the All-Star game from about 20 years ago. I saw a clip on YouTube. And I one, all the players look like they're about 60. I don't know why. They all look like they're very old. <laughs> but, but now you got a whole thing in the NHL where the players, like the star players in this league are between the ages of like 22 and 26. So it's a younger group. You still have some of the veterans like Ovechkin and Crosby that come to these games, but it's a young, energetic group that really infuses this whole weekend with a lot of energy. As far as the wagering goes, you know, you do have the three-on-three mini tournament that they play on Saturday at the All-Star Game. Each conference has, you know, the two divisional teams. They play three-on-three. Um, I'll tell you one, one interesting experiment is I believe the Atlantic Division uh, doesn't have a defenseman on their roster, so they might just be go, go, go if you're looking for a team to really put up some goals at this thing. Um, but uh, the skills competition on Friday night is going to be a lot of fun, and, and that's also if you could find uh, odds on some of those events, it could be interesting. The participants as of uh, late Wednesday were not out yet, but keep in mind uh, you know, some of the participants you might see for fastest skater, for hardest shot, and things like that. Um, I will tell you that there are a couple events that uh, probably aren't going to be on the books because they are uh, pre-taped. Uh, one involves a combination of hockey and golf, and another involves, I kid you not, a dunk tank like you might see at the carnival where the players will be shooting pucks at the target to see if they can dunk uh, their friends and opponents. So it's a real, real fun weekend if you've got a chance to check it out, and it's all on uh, ESPN and ABC. It sounds like a lot of fun, and, and you'll be right in the mix. <laughs> so that's great. All right. Uh, well, this is a gambling show, so I, I really I wanted to bring you on uh, to talk about some of the, the futures odds that are out there that people could jump on right now. And let's start with the Big Bang, right? And, and that is who you think is going to win the Stanley Cup. You know, obviously, everybody would say Boston, they're favored, they're plus 450. Uh, you know, they potentially could, you know, break the NHL record for most wins, uh, they're teetering somewhere around 65 in most points. And again, they're teetering right around that. The most points scored, 132. They're around 133, 134. Your thoughts, your thoughts on who, if anybody can upset the apple cart and beat Boston, who could it be or, or no one? <laughs> well, there's three kind of longer shots that I have my eye on that I find interesting um, if, if you don't want to go with the chalk. And again, right now, the Bruins are a machine. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as you said, it's it's. I mean, you know, the smart money with me would probably be to back them at this point. It will prove otherwise. But from the Eastern Conference, the New Jersey Devils are uh, uh, plus four, uh, 1,400 right now. Like, they're an interesting choice only because um, sometimes you have these teams that just come together at the right time. And, and the Devils, they're young. There's not a whole lot of playoff experience there. A lot of people say they may lack the toughness to really get through a playoff series. But I'll tell you, I haven't seen them enough this season when they get going and they play their game, they're very, very hard to beat. They, they're, they're like Boston in the sense that they can dictate how a game is played to their opponent. And that's a rare thing for a team this inexperienced. The other two teams I wanted to mention, the Edmonton Oilers, who were my cup pick before the season, I still don't know if they have cup-quality defense in them, but they do have Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, who's on pace for 150 points, the highest point total we've had since Mary Lemieux and back in 95-96. And they have Leon Dreisaitl right now second in the league in scoring. Those two guys combined, at some point they're going to drag one of these Oilers teams to the cup, and, and this could be the year. And then the other team, too, is the Dallas Stars out of the Western Conference, and, and they're not the top choice. They're kind of lingering in back of 
Colorado and Vegas and a couple of teams. If you talk to people around the league, they, they're, they're picking up a lot of fans as far as uh, pundits and, and insiders that think that the way that they play, the way that they're organized, their depth and their goaltending is good enough to maybe take home the cup this year. So they're kind of the emerging dark horse, I think, in the Western Conference, and, and their odds are still really long. So again, as I said, Boston plus 450. Edmonton is at 4-1. to one. Dallas, the Stars, they are at 15-1. to one. And New Jersey, the Devils, they are 16-1, to one, just FYI. Divisions in the Pacific. Um, the Kraken, I love that name. The Kraken are favored at plus 155. Is that who you're rolling with? I still think the Oilers have a run in them to win that division. Um, they're, they're starting to pick up steam a little bit. They're getting better goaltending. That's going to really be the, the thing that makes or breaks Edmonton is whether they can get both their goalies going at the same time. The Kraken, you know, they're a team that hasn't really faded yet. Their depth is at forward is one of the best in the, uh, the Western Conference. But at the end of the day, they've been able to kind of do it a little bit of smoke and mirrors. You know, one of their goalies, Martin Jones, uh, has kind of saved their bacon but just by being pretty good, by being competent. He's not been great. He's been competent. And, and sometimes you have to wonder whether that's going to last throughout the entirety of the season. I, I still think at the end of the day the Edmonton Oilers can win this division. I will tell you, though, and this is significant news for those who might be looking to back the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, Mark Stone, who is um, arguably their most important player, a winger who – uh, scores goals, one of the best defensive players in the league, and, and really the heart and soul of that team. He had back surgery uh, um, on Tuesday, and he's going to be out for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, in the time that he's already missed, they've, they've looked like a shell of themselves. So if you're somebody who might be looking at Vegas as an option in the Pacific, I'd, I'd back off them now because they are really, really impacted by the loss of Mark Stone. As I said, the Kraken, they are plus 155. Oilers are plus 240 to win the Pacific. And the Golden Knights are sitting at 4-1. to one. In the Central, you talked about Dallas could be a sleeper to win it all. They're favored by 140, minus 140 to win the Central. You've got the Avalanche at plus 380. Obviously, you're hearing great things about Dallas. At, at minus 140, laying 140 to win 100. Every, for every 140 you lay, you win 100. You know, is, is that worth it? Those odds worth it to you to, to, to still play this before this line goes up? <laughs> well, like I said, it, it's kind of been them and Winnipeg sort of jockeying for position um, at, at the top of the central division throughout the season so far. And, and that's only because Colorado, um, who was favored to win the central, has been just beaten up by injuries throughout the season. Now, Colorado is, is a good amount of points in back of both Dallas and Winnipeg right now. In, in the case of, of, uh, of Dallas, I think they're about nine points off the pace. But if you can get odds on Colorado, uh, they really put the pedal down. I think they won seven of their last eight games. Nathan McKinnon, their star center, came back from injury. He's been absolutely rolling since then. They're going to start getting a little bit healthier. Um, and, and this is a team that you know could put together – six, seven, eight, nine straight wins in a row to climb up the standings. So I'm not, I'm not counting them out quite yet as far as their ability to maybe rock it up and, and, and challenge for that division lead. That being said, I, I think the smart money is probably on Dallas here. I think at the end of the day, they'll outlast Winnipeg and Colorado to win the division. Winnipeg plus 550. In the Metro, um, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes favored minus 450. <laughs> Too much juice for me. I mean, I make solid money, but not like that. Uh, you love the New Jersey Devils plus three eighty Rangers sixteen to one. 
Yeah, it's not going to be the Rangers. (laughs) I'll say that. Um, You know, the the thing about the Hurricanes right now is that they're starting to really flex on that division. The Devils Mm -hmm. have had a great year. Um, I think they're going to be competitive. And I think that the best news, if you're someone who looks at the Devils in this spot, is they weathered a, a pretty bad stretch of hockey to come back and start really kind of finding their game again. Um, and, and maintaining that pace it's gotten them to be second in the division. But, I mean, Carolina, again, a winner tonight. They, they just seem like they're starting to kind of find their stride as being that other juggernaut in the East. I mean, Boston's gotten all the accolades, but here's the Hurricanes kind of lingering in that other division as a potential cup champion themselves. And they're really asserting themselves right now in that division. And I don't think there's any reason to, to believe that they won't win it. Last but not least, you know, obviously the Atlantic and just ridiculous what you have to lay to, to confirm <laughs> that, that, that Boston's going to win that. Uh, not even worth the time of discussion. Um, the odds of these five teams making it to the playoffs, some solid odds. Okay. Islanders three to one predators plus one forty five, Washington minus one fifteen, the Panthers plus one thirty. And, and Buffalo plus 250. Would you play any of those? Boy, Buffalo feels like a heartbreaker. They're, they're a great story. They've made a real push. They're another team that went through the doldrums and then rallied back to make it a season. And, and I think they're the sentimental favorite. They haven't made the playoffs, I think, since 2012. Uh, so it's been a pretty long time. Uh, so they're kind of the sentimental pick. But of that group, the one that intrigues me is Florida. They've not really gotten on their game completely yet this season they've they've been carried by uh, Matthew Kachuk who they acquired from Calgary uh, last summer he's been by far their best player some of their other players really haven't found their games found their stride but that's the kind of team that I think could put together a good streak uh, to make be, maybe threaten for one of those wild card spots the Islanders are, are intriguing only because uh, they went out and made themselves the first big trade of the NHL season Bo Horvat the captain and 31-goal scorer for Vancouver was acquired by the, uh, the Islanders earlier this week. He, he fixes, in theory, a lot of problems this team has. But as we stand, they still only have an 11% chance of making the playoffs. They've got some, some really, uh, you know, a lot of room to make up in those standings. I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to be the guy that fixes it. So of that group, the Panthers intrigue me most. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm buying the idea of the Islanders making the big rally this year. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Any other futures bets you're on? <laughs> well, one of the things to, to talk about is the MVP race, um, and so Mc, Connor McDavid, obviously, like we talked about, is is incredible. He's going to, you know, have upwards of 150 points. But there's a thing that happens in, in MVP voting in the NHL you have to keep in mind, which is that if for some reason the Oilers don't make the playoffs, the voters do have a thing where sometimes they're not going to vote for a guy if his team doesn't make the playoffs. It's how they measure value. If he misses, all of a sudden, Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars, Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils, they get interesting. And the most interesting, Anita, would be if the Buffalo Sabres do make the playoffs for the first time in over a decade, and if their star center, Tage Thompson, remember the name, Tage Thompson, is their leading scorer and the guy leading that charge, I've long said he's the only guy that really has the narrative and stats case to maybe take on McDavid if the Oilers miss the playoffs. So just keep those names in mind and that scenario in mind. But if the Oilers make it, I think it's probably McDavid in a slam dunk. Wow. So, uh, Thompson, 15 to 1 odds right now. You could jump on that. 
Uh, Greg, you rock as always. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. We so appreciate your time. Thank you so much, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for having me. You got it. Greg Wyshynski, make sure you follow him on all things social media. Um, one of the best in the business, especially here at ESPN, uh, with all your NHL coverage. You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. We'll be back with a lot more getting you ready for, uh, for this weekend. A lot going on. NHL, NBA, college basketball, and, uh, and definitely a look ahead to all things Super Bowl. 710 ESPN LA. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.